Hello, and welcome in to the June 28th edition of Not Just Another Sports Podcast. This will be our 4th of July edition of the pod. So we want to wish you guys a happy, happy and safe 4th of July. Please be careful out there. Celebrate responsibly. We don't need any more Jason Pierre-Paul incidents out there. Um, Christian, you got any big plans for the holiday? Uh, not this year, no. Usually we go out to Lake Dillon in Colorado and uh, on vacation and, and watch the fireworks there. Um, they're always incredible, always amazing. Uh, but this year, no, I'll be in, be in Missouri. Uh, probably just grab a beer and hang out. What about you, Matt? Well, my wife and her family, they live on the lake. They're lake dwellers. Um, they don't live in the Ozarks. Technically, they live in Warsaw, which is Truman Lake. But there's a huge dam that holds back Truman Lake. And every year they do the dam fireworks. They have professionals that go up on the dam and set off fireworks. And the dam overlooks a big park. And her uncle is like a big businessman in the city, and he reserves the part of the park for his family to watch the fireworks, drink, cook out, kind of an all-day event. Fireworks always really good, and then it just takes us like two hours to get out of there from traffic. But we'll be down there with the family, and I mean, I'm super excited. This year, we got the uh, white people classic Old Navy t-shirts that my family all had when we grew up the flag shirts. And now that we got a baby, we got family traditions to start. So uh, I'll be rocking that looking really dad out there. Oh, so you're doing the whole dad thing, huh? The uh, white Reeboks, the tall white socks, khakis, the whole thing. I don't, I'm not quite there yet, but I do have some grass stained. (laughs) I do have some grass stained Asics that I'm mowing. Like, you know, whenever I get a new pair of tennis shoes, the old pair of tennis shoes graduates to the mowers. So my old Asics are out there, but not quite there yet, but I'm not in my final form. Well, good. You got some time to grow into it. So for sure. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into news that broke on Thursday last week, but wanted to touch on it a little bit just because now that the dust has settled a little bit, some of the hubbub about it, about it on Twitter was kind of a little ridiculous, honestly. Um, Frank Clark was arrested twice, apparently, this offseason for possession of an illegal firearm uh, felony count in L.A. Um, your quick, just instant reaction, Christian, go for it. Well, you never like to hear that one of your uh, highest paid starting players is involved in, you know, a police investigation or has been arrested on account of a firearms deal. But, uh, I mean... All things considered, I don't, I mean, it's not great for him or for the organization, but this couldn't be the worst thing that could have happened. What about you? For sure. Um, I think if there's one word to describe the entire situation, I think the word would be frustrating. Um, You know, there's been a lot of law enforcement interactions with Chiefs players in the past couple of seasons, and they can be summarized a lot of different ways. Sad scary you know when you think about kareem hunt and the accusations against tyreek hill this is not that it's frustrating it's frustrating because you know one it's a victimless crime um frank clark didn't hurt anyone no one was harmed or a victim of frank clark other than himself and there's a lot of situations that you could look at and say why is frank clark ever in this situation 
And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up. Um, this is not me trying to be a quote unquote social justice warrior or anything like that. But, you know, there's, I think one of the most common things that I saw about Frank Clark and his situation was, is why does this idiot need this gun? He's rich. He's got a Lamborghini, whatever, you know, why does he need this gun? And I think it's just really important to bring up the fact that you're not like other people. You know, I, as a person, have never, ever feared my neighborhood, feared my home. We left doors to our cars in our home unlocked where I grew up. My safety was never something that I ever had to worry about. Frank Clark, who at one point in his life was homeless, has a much different life experience than you. That doesn't make yours wrong. doesn't make yours invalid. You don't have to apologize for your experience. But neither does Frank Clark. There are some people in life who do not feel safe ever without some sort of weapon to protect them. Point in case, I have many, many friends who are in law enforcement. These men, men and women, excuse me, they're all men, all my friend, friends are men who are cops, but these men are um, fragile without some sort of gun on them at some point. You know, a lot of them conceal carry, which I appreciate them doing, obviously in today's society. But these guys can't go anywhere without their gun. You know, when we go to Royals games, they're told not to carry inside the stadium and they, they, they turn into a popsicle on the ground, man. They just, when they can't have their gun, they're, they're useless. They, they act like more or less. And, you know, I'm not saying that Frank Clark is a cop, obviously, but the situation is very similar. He doesn't feel safe. That's fine. Now, obviously there's the other side of it, which is it's an illegal firearm. There's many, many firearms that Frank could carry. And I'm honestly, as a, as a fan, proud of him for, you know, having guns and stuff like that. I think it's important for people to take advantage of their rights and know them, but he just didn't carry the right gun. So on the first point of him having the gun and why he is, and he's an idiot or whatever, you know, I, I just rush, I'm not going to rush to judge him for having the gun. It's disappointing. It's frustrating that he had an illegal one, especially because it happened twice and he should probably know better, but ultimately I'm just not finding, I'm not finding it in myself to get really mad and get into this space where we want to cut Frank Clark. I mean, Christian, why would anyone want to do that? Well, I can see a few different reasons. And, you know, after first hearing this, right, you hear it, I believe it was on Sunday. Um, the news comes out late afternoon. Hey, Frank Clark has just been arrested and posted bail for uh, having an Uzi open in his car. And, and everybody is kind of, you know, oh, we need to get, you know, this guy hasn't really performed. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't really been, you know, he's had some domestic uh, stuff in the past so maybe he's just a bad guy we just need to cut bait with him entirely and in all honesty I was in that overreaction camp I mean you look at his his uh his stats over the past season you know 27 pressures is not good enough for a guy who's making as much money as he's making uh only being available for you know very few games I mean most of the games but not fully fully healthy for all of them um, is unacceptable for a player who's getting paid that much money. And I think some people want to cut bait with him, maybe because we have an opportunity to do so. Now, obviously I'm not a lawyer and I haven't read over 
Frank Clark's contract personally. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but based on how similar NFL contracts have been structured and, and all of the similar punishments that have been given out, like Antonio Brown's punishment last year or two years ago, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I think they can void most of his guaranteed money from this. And if that's an option the Chiefs are wanting to go down, that's if that's option they want to take, then it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But I don't believe it should go that far, especially because, like you said, it's a nonviolent crime. N nobody was hurt from this. He was just caught with an illegal weapon. Right. And I'll equate it to this. Um, you know, there's another item that's very common to own that's also very illegal to own in certain parts of the country still, and that's pot. If Frank Clark was caught with pot, no one would care. Now, you can argue that pot doesn't kill someone if it's used in the wrong hands. Um, I mean, you know, we're getting into semantics at this point. But going back to the football side of things, the only situation that I would even consider moving on from Frank Clark is if we know how long he's going to be suspended and if it is like more than half of the season, you know, if it's eight games plus or something like that, then you can start to talk about, well, is, can we, you know, cut him? He'd be post June one, obviously to save enough cap space to go get a player. But you got to remember that, you know, cap space doesn't put on a Jersey and a helmet and tackle people. You've got to, you know, if you're moving on from Frank Clark, that cap space has to go to something to help the team in the future or now, you know, is that Melvin Ingram? Is that Justin Houston? You know, those are some of the names that people have thrown out. Ultimately, I don't think you can move on from Frank Clark almost at all, partially because the one time, you know, the times that he's shown to be the most valuable is the time that you need him the most. I mean, this is getting very, very heady, but you can argue that basically weeks one through 17 almost don't matter to the chiefs that much, as long as they make it to January and make it to the playoffs. Frank Clark could hypothetically not play a single game all year. And if he's fully healthy, ready to go for the playoffs, that's really kind of almost all that matters. Kind of like how the chiefs use Sammy Watkins, except he wasn't healthy, but yeah, I mean, I, I can understand it from the salary cap side of things, but more than anything, it is such a position of need for the chiefs. We know nothing about Kingdo. We know nothing, you know, Mike Dana has proven virtually nothing. Taco Charlton, you know, was cut by a team that drafted him in the first round. There's, there's just not enough depth there, even with Chris Jones kicking out to say that I feel comfortable with the Chiefs cutting Frank Clark. Do I think Frank Clark has lived up to his contract? No. Do I think Frank Clark is still either the second or the first best defensive end the Chiefs have? Yes. Well, and I think some people might say that adding Jaron Reed this offseason kind of gives you a little bit more ability, more mobility in that, you know, in that aspect. But you have to remember that would mean Chris Jones is sliding out the defensive end. And we really know how good he is at defensive tackle. We don't really know how good he is at def defensive end. And we also had Okafor last year. You know, if, if we're doing a trade off here, losing Okafor and Frank Clark, it's it's not the same as just adding and, Jerry and, and Passanio too. Oh yeah, and K pass and a I mean, good rotational I pass. I know that you know people who listen might have their arms up in the air and say, "What did Tano Passano and Okafor do for us last year?" And the answer is not much. But they also were warm bodies, you know. And while neither one of those guys was fantastic, 
they're also probably better than a UDFA or someone like that, that they would sign off the practice squad to fill that void. So there is kind of that theory that adding average to mediocre talent is still better than awful talent. You know, like, are they helping the roster? Probably not, but are they hurting the roster? Maybe, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I know um, kind of the last thing we'll say on it, um, Seth Kaiser, you know, noted lawyer, and also Chiefs film guy, he was talking about how he doesn't think that the legal proceedings for this case will wrap up in this year. Um, the court systems are extremely backed up because of not being able to do in-person jury trials. And something like this, that is victimless, um, it could easily be tied up in the courts for the next six to six months to a year. Um, and that's if they choose to prosecute, which, you know, also could happen that they just drop the charges simply because it's not really worth it. So um, definitely be interesting to see how that plays out for the Chiefs and something to keep an eye on. Um, Christian, I know you are a big Jersey guy, uniform guy. Schefter tweeted out on Thursday that the NFL in 2022, so not this year, next year, will now allow alternate helmets. So it's not really that they're allowing alternate helmets they are allowing players to have more than one helmet, which is opening the door to alternate helmets. Because in the past, teams didn't really want to repaint helmets during the season for one uniform. So are you excited? Are you for this? Are you against this? What are you, what are you thinking? So as kind of a graphic design guy, and by no means am I, you know, up there with, with some of the guys that, you know, do it full time. Um, but it, it really just kind of pains me that the Chiefs don't have like a really, really, really cool looking logo that they can throw on their helmets. Like teams like the Eagles with the classic wings on the front. I saw those photoshopped in and the Bucks have the pirate on the side. The coolest one the Chiefs have is the newest one. And the one right behind that is the one with the six states like Missouri, Iowa, uh, you know, Oklahoma uh, and a poorly drawn Indian on the front of it. So <clears throat> it, I really just kind of wish the Chiefs had a, a cooler looking one. Other than that, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing like the old Houston Oilers, you know, the Browns Gremlin and the old Ram lo- and the old Rams logos. Uh, if, if I was the Rams, you know what? I'd probably just have that full time. I'd see if I could sneak those alt jerseys and helmets in and maybe go back to what they were but what about you well first off what the rams did to their uniforms last year is criminal they had the best looking uniforms in the nfl when they had those royal blue with the gold man those were so sharp i love those and then they went to that bone on bone thing that they did last year super bad but I think there's two paths that you can go down. I actually just finished writing an article that'll go up probably by the time this podcast is up about alternate helmets and alternate uniforms. You know, I think the way that this will go is I think teams will kind of use these more for throwbacks than they will actually alternates because the NFL has been pretty slow paced when it comes to uniform changes and non-traditional uniforms. They've done the color rush. But other than that, there's not a whole lot. I think really the Chargers are about the only team that really utilize a whole wide variety of uniform combinations. Um, 
My hope is, though, is that it opens up the door to a bunch of alternate uniforms. Now, this is weird because I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit. For me personally, I'm not sure I've ever seen a Chiefs alternate jersey that I liked. Um, it happens like once every two or three months that someone like tweets out an alternate Chiefs jersey and it's like all gold with red letters or black with gold letters or white. <laughs> this is my spicy hot take. I don't really think that the Chiefs uniform colors are that appealing. It's a little uh, ketchup and mustardy for me, a little Ronald McDonald. Now, that's not to say that the Chiefs uniforms aren't great. I do love the uniforms. And I do think that they are some of the more unique uniforms in the NFL because they utilize some non-traditional colors together. But because of that ketchup and mustardy kind of vibes that it gives off, I feel like a lot of the alternates just don't work. Now, on the other side of my mouth, I'm going to say... I think the NFL should be looking to go towards more like what the NBA has, where um, they have numerous jerseys, numerous combinations, and, you know, it's almost, you know, every other game they're changing jerseys. Now, the only thing that I don't like about that is that sometimes it takes like 10 seconds to figure out like, oh, the Bucks are wearing blue this time and the Lakers are wearing red. Okay. Um, but I, in, in general, like that. Here's the reason why the Chiefs will never stop wearing their original uniforms. So if you love those, they'll still be available. You can still go and buy them. And then if you like the alternates, you can go buy those too. It's just more swag, more memorabilia, more, you know, if you ever want to, you know, go crazy and buy a Mahomes autographed helmet. Well, let's say they do um, a theme for the salute to service and they do like a stealth bomber look and they got a matte black Chiefs helmet and it's autographed by Patrick Mahomes. That's, that's awesome. One of my favorite uniforms that Mizzou did several, several years ago was themed after like a, a stealth bomber. And those helmets were awesome. So I, I'm in favor of them. I, I'm in favor of them going with more uniforms, more helmets. I think they need to move that way. I would love for them to come up with like a city edition, kind of like the NBA does. Um, I'm watching right now on my TV and the Suns are playing the Clippers and the Suns are wearing their city uniforms, the Valley with those black with the purple and gold and the purple. Um, and I, I love that look. And I think just, you know, the more options you give fans, the more it's just going to bring people in. Oh, exactly. And uh, Golden State has a really cool one. You know, the Bay, their, their one is, is super cool. That's one of my favorites. But uh, one of the biggest things I, I see is kind of a difference there is that the NBA has like 11 players. That, that wear the jerseys. Uh, the NFL has their entire roster. Uh, so at least uh, 32, you know, I can't remember exactly how many the active game day roster is, but a lot of players. You'd, ha you'd have to get a lot of jerseys for each of the players. But that kind of segues nicely into one of our next topics, which is the next wave of NBA superstars um, and, and kind of the rivalry you see between between players. What do you think? Well, I, I wanted to talk about this because I've heard this come up a lot. The NBA for the better part of the last five to 10 years has kind of been, it's kind of been a three or four person league. You know, it was like, I can't remember how many years in a row it's been LeBron that's been in the finals. And then you had the LeBron versus Steph. And then like Kawhi was in there some, and then before that, you know, you had Kobe and Shaq. The NBA is 
the ultimate star-driven league. Um, you know, you tune in to watch the stars. And the great thing about the NBA is that the stars shine bright. You know, you don't have to, like, Trey Young, he's going to get his in almost every game because he touches the ball and he plays both ways. You know, you don't have to, like, fantasy football, if you've got Julio Jones going and the Titans are on defense, you walk away from the screen because you're like, oh, well, Julio's not going to get the ball here. But it's not like that in basketball. Now, what I want to talk about is kind of there's this feeling that the next wave of NBA superstars, like there's a bunch of, like if we were going to put them on a scale and say that LeBron and Kobe back when he was playing and um, Steph Curry and those guys were all tens, that there's a whole lot of seven and eight stars in the NBA right now, but not a whole lot of tens that like, you know, there's not players that move the needle like LeBron did or some of those other players did. My question is, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? I kind of equate it to like this. When I was a kid growing up watching the NFL, you turned on Sunday night football or you turned on the playoffs or whatever, Monday night football, and it was always Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Big Ben, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, maybe throw in a little Matt Ryan in there just for fun. It was the same guys. Every Sunday, every playoffs, every AOC championship. I mean, there was that graphic until Mahomes came and wrecked the party that for the last like 20 years, the only quarterbacks to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl were, were Big Ben, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and then that Joe Flacco year. And that was it. And I mean, there's been some quarterbacks that have come up and scared it. You know, there for a while, it looked like Kaepernick was going to do that several other players. Um, but for a long time, it was just really those guys and then nothing else. And now we have in the NFL, you know, you've got Lamar and you've got Baker and you've got Mahomes and you've got, um, you've got Deshaun Watson. And, and the list of quarterbacks feels much more longer now. It doesn't feel like there's just three or four guys and that's it. It creates a situation where every single Sunday there's intrigue in almost every game. I mean, yeah, it, it might be, you know, it might be Falcons versus Buccaneers, but you know, you can watch Tom Brady, but you can also, you know, watch Kyle Pitts or someone like that. Or yeah, it might be um, Eagles versus Cowboys, but like, Hey, like Jalen Hurts has kind of shown some promise. Now, obviously Jalen Hurts is not the same level of superstar that we're talking here. But my point is, is that I think we need to kind of low, I don't want to say lower, but kind of learn to love and accept the fact that the NBA is moving to a stars emphasis on the S there driven league rather than a star driven league. You know, there are so many bright stars in the NBA right now that may not touch that quote unquote superstar level, but like Luca, Trey Young, John Morant, Zion, the list just goes on and on and on of really bright young players. You know, Devin Booker has come out in these playoffs and looked amazing. A lot of people doubted Trey Young before these playoffs. And I, I think if we could choose besides having five mega superstars that dominate the playoffs every year, like Manning or Brady or like Steph Curry and LeBron and have 25, you know, seven or eight level stars, I feel like ultimately we should embrace that and kind of love that about the NBA slash the NFL. Well, I really think going kind of along with what you said, parody is really what it boils down to like LeBron being in control of the league for so long and, and finally, finally kind of releasing a little bit where, Oh, you know, Steph comes in and he's got a good team, but it's still LeBron. 
like, oh, uh, you know, the Mavs are coming up. Yeah, but but still LeBron, they'll take you to the finals. But like nobody really thought the Mavs are going to be a good team after they after they beat LeBron in the finals the next year. Like and, and with football, it's, it's kind of the same thing, right? There's a lot of parody going around. And I really, really like that about the league. Um, guys coming up like like Mahomes or like Lamar or Baker or Jalen Hurts. Like there, there are a lot of guys that are super interesting and can almost, you know, depending on the team really uh, win any given Sunday. Uh, Kind of sticking more to the NBA side of it. You've got guys now like Trey Young who, you know, wasn't drafted, but three seasons ago and now he's in a conference championship and the best player on his team in a conference championship. Uh, some other guys that I really like Donovan Mitchell, like a really, really, really good two-way player that is the best player on his team. Like <clears throat> same thing with Luca and, uh, and Jalen Brown, like, really good players, lots of parody. I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, and I, I think like kind of what you're talking about kind of plays right into kind of how the playoffs of in the NBA have went this year. You know, we saw several big stars take early exits. LeBron and AD with the Lakers, um, you know, Luka with the Mavs, they, they exited pretty quickly. Um, you know, the Clippers with Kawhi not being there, just obviously aren't going to be at full strength. There's been a lot of really good teams and really good players that have exited out quickly to kind of open up for the Devin Bookers, um, the De- DeAndre Aytons, the, you know, those level of players, uh, Trey Young. And I mean, this kind of plays in a little bit too. I feel like the next player that honestly could put their name up in kind of that 10 level of superstar, as we were referring to our scale there, would be Giannis. Um, you know, Giannis has a couple of MVPs. Really all his resume is missing a ring. Um, do you think that Giannis could put himself up in that 10 level LeBron, Steph Curry, Kobe level. If he, if the bucks pulled off this year. So this is going to be a little controversial, but no, I, I really don't think so. I think in this league, you need a jump shot to win. And that's something that Giannis just doesn't have. Like we, we saw it this year with Ben Simmons. There, there's a reason they played hack a bin at the end of the game, right? He couldn't get to the free throw line. Even the game you saw last night with, uh, with Chris Middleton going off. If Chris Middleton doesn't have a good game, they don't win. Like in, in LeBron, at least, he didn't need a second player to really go off. He, he needed, you know, at least like seven points from all the people that went in. But there was really... I mean, like he would be the best defensive player on the team and the best offensive player on the team. He, he did that for a long time. Um, a guy I can see bumping up that high is Luca. In fact, they're uh, him and LeBron's uh, seasons, like their first three seasons, they parallel so well together with like, I mean, they were both drafted to a middling franchise, right? They both took the poor rosters that they had um, further than they probably should have. And they didn't really have a desire to play defense. If, if Luca decides to play defense, 
I think that that he can go up there and be like, oh, I'm I mean, he's already kind of the new face of the franchise. But like, I really think he could say this is my league now. You know, that's it. Well, a couple of things about that. The first being the big difference between Luca and LeBron is, is that LeBron's level of athleticism and what he can do in the paint and as a defender and his ability to play several different spots on the court throughout his career. Um, you know, obviously we don't know the full body of Luca's career, but while I do agree that Luca has the ability to put himself up in that conversation, I'm not sure that the LeBron comparison exactly sticks just because of the skill set is so different. And also we've talked about this notion a little bit. Um, whenever you compare someone to the greatest of all time, it's hard for that person to live up to it. Like Luca had virtually no expectations placed on him when he came in. I mean, obviously he was a high draft pick, but no one expected him to be as good as he is. So everything you get from him is gravy. You know, it's like luxurious need for the chiefs. He was a fourth round pick. So even if he's average this year, it was still a great pick because the investment wasn't as much versus LeBron was on the cover of sports illustrated as a high schooler. Now that's not to say that Luca can't get up there. Um, I definitely think he has the potential to the other thing I want to come back to is I understand your notion that Giannis can't put himself up into that level because of not being able to shoot in today's NBA game. But I think you might be in a, be being a little hard on our man here. Um, now the threes, the three, you know, Giannis averages in the past year, last year, he averaged 3.6 three point attempts a game and he made about 1.1 of them. So just over a three a game made. Um, that's definitely, you know, I know we love to, it's kind of, it's kind of like the NFL, right? There's all sorts of different superstars. Um, you know, you've got people like Tyreek Hill who break away speed, touchdowns, can take the ball at any place and score. And there's other type of superstars um, that are like possession wide receivers, guys who go up and get it, um, you know, like a Keenan Allen or someone like that who uses extremely clean route running. Giannis is a different type of superstar and what he does in the paint. I mean, the Hawks are not winning that series and they cannot do a dang thing about Giannis in the paint and two MVPs. And if they get, unless something weird happens and they don't get to the finals, you know, he's going to be the favorite to win finals MVP if they win a finals MVP, two MVPs. I mean, the guy is averaging 30 point, 32 points for his career. Um, you know, that's, that's hard to argue with. I, I would say that his body of work lines up with most of, you know, that 10 level superstar. Oh, and, and maybe I misspoke a little bit. I'm, I'm not saying that Luca is going to be LeBron, right? That, that's, ins- I mean, like, well, that's yeah, like of course. saying I wasn't, Holmes a, is I wasn't be- accusing you of that. I was more of just okay, saying all right. like, your, your comparison. Okay, all right. And there are a few differences. It's not a perfect comparison, but, but I believe that, you know, Luca does have the ability to, to be an organization changer and be a top five player. And, and with Giannis, I, I mean, I just really think you need a jump shot to win in this league. I mean, Jeru Holiday, Chris Middleton, they both came in. They really, really good athletic uh, guards that play for him. Middleton's kind of a forward, but, but not really. Um, 
everybody needs a few extra players to go off, but I I think if Steph Curry, you saw it this year, he goes for 40 or 50, like three or four games in a row, and you can't do anything to stop him. Like he doesn't need anybody to help him go that far. He's like, I'm gonna bring the ball down the court, shoot it from the logo, and that it's gonna be a done deal. Like I'm I'm gonna shoot 40% from three doing that. And I don't need a, a really, really good number two. <clears throat> I can just bring my, my team up by doing that. And, and Giannis needs a guard to take him with, to, to, to go with him, I mean, and, and go off for maybe 20 or 25 points. Yeah, I think, I think you might be walking on Occam's razor a little bit there in the sense that you're in that place where, you know, are we talking about a player collecting cumulative stats or are we talking about a player achieving at the highest level? You know, you can get in that space. Like it's a little bit like the Derrick Rose thing, right? Like for years, Derrick Rose was one of the best players or a little bit like, um, oh, what's his name? He used to play with KD and James Harden in Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook, um, where they collect stats, but they don't win anything. And then people look at him and say, well, why didn't they win anything? If they were winners, they would be winning. Or you can get on the other side, you know, kind of like that Bill Russell, Draymond Green space where they were in the right time, the right place, a role player. Um, and, you know, I think the answer is yes to both of those. Um, you know, you're talking about if you were going to start a franchise with Giannis, you would need someone who could shoot. But in the same breath, if you're going to start an organization with um, Steph Curry, you need someone like Draymond or Iguodala to be in the paint and make those plays. You know, the, there's a reason why the Warriors made the move for Andrew Wiggins when they did, because he's better down there, you know, not, the, not quite the shooter, but they have that. Um, overall, let's, I think, I think a good way to wrap up this conversation is just that Christian, you can draft one player. Like it's a fantasy draft. You're starting an NBA franchise. Who is the player you are drafting one, one to start your organization of the players that are here now and, and uh, their age and everything. Yeah. Just or, as, as is, I mean, if you want to draft someone from the college, college ranks, that's going to be an NBA draft. You're welcome to, but fantasy uh, draft, all in all NBA players are up for grabs. Who are you taking one, one? Probably Luca. And, and it's close between him and, and Giannis just based on their age. But Luca, I think has a higher ceiling. What about you? Oh, man, I asked a question that I didn't actually have my answer <laughs> to. You know, you obviously want to go with the youth. You know, you want to take someone who's young. But obviously with the youth, there's not as much proven. I want to say, like, possibly John Morant. Um, um, That's young. a little surprising. Yeah, well, but just the athletic skills. It, you can just – he seems like the type of player that you can really build – because he can shoot, he can drive to the basket, he can play with the ball in his hand, that that's the type of player that you can really kind of start building your whole team around. Um, but the shooting of Trey Young is just awesome. And then, I mean, Giannis is getting a little bit older, but I am tempted to say him as well, um, just because, you know, he gives you something that's so unique, that's so different. And then, I mean, you look at, like, what Devin Booker has done in this playoffs. Man, I, I should have answered, asked a question I didn't know the answer to. <laughs> I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just gonna go blind and go off the wall and say that I'll take Jaw because I think that, okay, I think that he can kind of do it all. Um, he's still really, really young, 
And, you know, maybe I'll be proven wrong next year. But, I mean, he got that team into the playoffs, and that team is pretty rough. So, obviously, everyone makes the playoffs. But that would be my pick. Okay. Ja just seems like an interesting answer to me. I, I don't know why. It's maybe, just... maybe I'm – maybe – let me look here. Maybe I'm, like, off my rocker. But I feel like <laughs> – I feel I like mean, he – if, if you're going to choose like an athletic guard that can, can bring the ball down the court, I think Trey is probably a better player. Like I, I think that, you know, his ability to shoot the three, although it's not super consistent, he, he's averaged like over 25 a season since he's gotten a league. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think, I think you're probably right. I think kind of, you know, you do that thing where you have a persona in your head of a player and then you go and look at the stats and you're like, oh, they actually weren't as bad as I thought or they're worse than I thought they were. Jaws threes are not what I thought they were. <laughs> I, I guess I just turned on the really good job more at games. Yeah, let's go Trey Young. I think Trey Young would probably be the right answer there. Well, to be fair, Trey's threes aren't exactly great either. He just stopped shooting so many of them. So yeah. his percentage has, has gone up a little bit, but... <clears throat> All right, well, to wrap up, since we're kind of on this NBA kick and I'm watch we're watching the game right now as we speak, um, so there's four teams left. Obviously, Clippers are down 3-1. Um, the Bucks are leading the Falcon or the Falcons, the wrong Atlanta bird. The Bucks are leading the Hawks 2-1. Who do you want to make it? Who do you want to win? Who do you think will win? So what I who I really want to make it is who I think is going to make it. And that might seem like, you know, a little mind influencing mind type deal, but I really want the Suns and the Bucks to make it. I, I hated Chris Paul for the longest time. Um, mostly because I like the Celtics back when Rondo was the point guard and, you know, they've had their whole beef, but I really like Chris Paul now just because of the leadership that he's shown. I mean, he took a Suns team that was not great, even though they had all the talent in the world and, and put it all together. Like Devin Booker is finally being a consistent scoring threat. Like Cameron Payne is actually playing really, really well. And I don't think anybody thought that he was going to. Um, anyway, so I, I want the Suns to make it there. Um, and I want the Bucks to make it there because I want all of the Giannis uh, blasphemy talk about how he's not a great player and, a little contradicting to what i said earlier but like i want people to recognize him that he's not it's not like he's paul george right he's a tier one player that should deserve some respect and, and i think that you know if both teams go face to face the bucks i think have a clear advantage Giannis plays both sides of the ball i don't know how they're gonna stop him I, I really i mean i don't i don't think they have an answer for him I think Chris Middleton and Jay Ruhal, they can, can slow down at least Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker. What about you? Yeah, I think, I think the way that it will play out will probably be Bucks and Suns, and more than likely I think the Bucks will probably be favored in that. The Bucks just have too many ways to beat you. They're a strong defensive team. Um, between Holiday and Middleton, they can get hot on the outside, and then they've got um, – Good defense, um, good guys in the paint, obviously Giannis. Um, so I think that's probably what will happen, you know, bucks and six, bucks and seven, maybe. Um, 
But what I what I'd like to happen, I I think I want the Hawks to make it. I don't think it's going to happen. Part of it is it's just I kind of enjoy the um, the watching the Bucks kind of fall on their sword a little bit every year because to me the NBA is one of those baseball is a lot like this too where it's a sport that there are teams who are built for the postseason and teams who are built for the regular season and the Suns or not the Suns the Bucks have always kind of felt like a regular season team to me. And there's a reason why they've struggled. Nothing has opened up nicely for them this year. Um, but I think, you know, if we, if I, I'd be thrilled to have Suns and Hawks, I don't think that's going to happen. I think what we will have is going to be Suns and Bucks. And I would, I'm with you. I would like to see the Suns. Um, or I, did you want the Suns or the Bucks? I think you wanted the Bucks. I, um, I wanted the Bucks to win. They also haven't won a championship in I don't know how long. Yeah. And being one, a Chiefs thing, fan. It's yeah. real nice to win a championship when you've never won a championship before. For sure. And I, and I think one thing that we can kind of take away from as Chiefs fans is that, or Kansas City and really in general, is that there are, even though Phoenix isn't technically a smaller market, they don't have a whole lot of sports franchises. Seeing them do well is good. Milwaukee is obviously a smaller market. Um, Atlanta, not so much. Obviously, LA is not, but it's good to see two kind of smaller markets doing well. Um, I, I find the Suns team really fun to root for. Um, Devin Booker's fun because, you know, so many people wrote him off as a bust. Well, not really a bust, but he kind of gets that unfair treatment because he's getting compared to Luca. DeAndre Ayton's playing really well, and a lot of people didn't think he was going to. Um, I love seeing role players like Jay Crowder do really well. Um, and Chris Paul, you know, has been a good player for a long time. Seeing him do well is also fun. Um, and I like seeing it for a city that hasn't had a whole lot of um, playoff success. You know, L.A. doesn't need another championship. Um, so I, I agree. I think I think that there's honestly I, I've found these whole playoffs super interesting. So I'm not going to be mad with whoever has won. No, it, it really has been a good playoff series, especially. I mean, it seems like every game that I tune into there's a last second fight for the win. And it always, to me at least, seems like the better team wins. I mean, that Suns Clippers with Aiton, where he got the, the inbounds from Crowder and dunked over Zubak. Like, man, I was jumping out of my chair. See, I've had the opposite out. effect. Every time I've carved out time to watch an NBA game, it's been a blood, like a bloodletting. Like that, um, <laughs> like Friday night, I was all hyped up to watch the Hawks and the Bucks. Um, game two and I think the Bucks at one time led by like 45 yeah yeah it's crazy I mean you're right right now because uh Clippers leading 61 to Phoenix 60 here in the third quarter so your yeah uh, it, your predictions coming up they just struggled they, they got Booker in foul trouble um the other day and still somehow managed to win that game um game. the Clips just refused to, to take the game like oh yeah I, it, I don't it understand the, that team pedestal for them Paul George is pulling back threes, and I think he made he was like a two for twelve the whole game. Um, yep, yeah, it was pretty brutal. But well, all right. Well, I think we'll call that good. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, you know, as we get closer to Chief season, I know I'm definitely planning on getting up there for camp. Super excited for that. We will become a little bit more Chief centric, but we also know that at Arrowhead Live, we've got a bunch of other Chiefs podcasts. We've got the Coach's Corner, the Bleachers, uh, that there's a whole bunch of other podcasts that you can listen to. They're strictly chief. So we try to bring you just a little bit more variety. Um, so we appreciate you listening. Um, have a good one guys. Absolutely. See you guys later.